Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people here impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. Now today I'm joined by Harry Carr. Harry is the Chairman and CEO at Vicinity and we're here to discuss how to master your data movements. Harry, welcome to the show. Thanks Matt, thanks for having us. Yeah, no worries at all mate, Happy New Year. The same to you. Uh, just for those who haven't already heard uh, about yourself and about Vicinity, could you let our audience know a bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. So Vicinity is a company that literally is all about uh, data movement and access to data. And as we like to say, we sell time machines where time matters uh, for your data, wherever it is. Uh, Vicinity is software that can help you accelerate uh, your workflows. It's really that simple. Perfect. Perfect. And obviously, you know, you guys kind of champion uh, data movement and, and you know, the innovation within that space. Um, how, how would you yourself define data movement and how is it really impacting the business world as a whole right now? So it's interesting. Um, you know, a, f- a few years back, uh, the data movement issues were nowhere near as dramatic as they are today. But with the proliferation of cloud everywhere, as I call it, public cloud, private cloud, hybrid cloud, you have a fundamental problem where applications and data are, you know, need to be co-located uh, without vicinity. Uh, and, and they're not. Data is created everywhere, and it's never going to be exactly where in one place or where you need it to be, which is co-located with the application. And so what companies do is spend lots and lots of money uh, moving and copying data from everywhere it's generated to where they need it to be. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And obviously, you, you talk about, um, you know, the data movement challenges. Um, what are some of those uh, challenges and obstacles that are really top of mind for data leaders right now? So I think the probably the biggest challenge is how do you deal with data that's geographically distributed, uh, and particularly when you have to deal with wide area networking, right? Uh, because what happens is, um, you know, everyone says uh, latency uh, disrupts data movement. Well, latency actually, I think, gets a bad rap because it's physics, right? It's, it's deterministic. It's the protocols we put on top of it. And so what happens is people are looking to move data, and what they end up doing is looking at some form of that little spinning circle or hourglass that's essentially buffering, waiting for your data to get here. And there's so much loss of productivity and loss of, you know, uh, competitive advantage in in my view uh from waiting for your data that that makes sense are there, are there any sort of common pitfalls here that leaders are particularly falling into are there any sort of quick fixes for those or uh, any any misconceptions that you feel could kind of be you know fixed in in that space so i i think there's a number of misconceptions and um and i think it's it's i'm not sure we have enough time in this podcast to cover all of them but <laughs> i think you know, fundamentally, what what people don't understand is um, there are ways to accelerate data access, um, and there's a number of existing technologies, and then there's vicinity, and we take a completely different approach. And truthfully, we're the fastest access to data in the world. Um, and, you know, we combine that with also an ability to actually not have to move the data, uh, which is actually an even faster way 
to have, you know, essentially access to data. And what I think people misunderstand is you're never going to have all your data in one place if you're an enterprise of any significance. And if you, you know, listen to all the experts, even if you decide you're going, you know, public cloud, private cloud, hybrid cloud, whatever it is, data is going to be generated in enterprises everywhere. And dealing with that and figuring out how you're going to use it, particularly as we head into this sort of, you know, generative AI world and trying to take advantage of that technology, which in some ways is sort of a 52-card pickup and a dramatic accelerant in the importance of data access and data movement, in my view. Um, I think people get sold a lot of goods. The reality is, as we say, if you land on our website, it's about time. How long does it take you to get your access to the data that you need and the right data to give you timely and accurate responses. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, talking about all of this, it really does sound like that efficient data movement is something that can really help, you know, the bigger enterprises streamline a lot more of their processes and really enable them to make those, you know, data-driven decisions at the top level all the way down to really kind of empowering those teams to uh, perform. Uh, how would you really see data movement evolving over the next five years? And what are some of the uh, benefits that we can see over that time frame? So I think what you're going to see is a recognition that there are a number of different ways to move data. Uh, and and the technologies, you know, like a vicinity that are out there um, are actually very real. I mean, one of our challenges, Matt, obviously has been that we are so much faster in moving data than other people that literally people don't believe it. Even at times when we've let them test our software, they've run the test and they sit there and go, I still don't believe it, even though they've experienced it, right? And the bottom line is, as as we look at the next five years, the issue of timely access to data is going to be more and more important in, in our view uh, because so much data is being generated. The ability to compute on it, whether it's, you know, it's CPUs, GPUs, quantum computing, whatever it's going to be, is going to be these massive data engines and in data movement getting the data to where that compute sits, however you do it, is only going to become a, a larger and larger problem. Got it. Got it. And, and you know, we talk about the innovation that we're going to see in that space and how it's going to evolve. Don't think we can really get through a, a podcast these days without talking about generative AI uh, and the, the kind of advancements in, in LLMs and AI as a whole that we're seeing. Um, is that is that going to kind of help shift these larger amounts of, of data? And how do you kind of see that? In, in this space? So it's interesting. I, um, I recently had a chance to give a presentation at a conference and the, the headline was about all about AI. And the headline of my talk was hallucinations or accurate insights you choose, right? And, <laughs> and, and the reason I chose that, mm -hmm. and, uh, and this was before, you know, the, the term RAG or retrieval augmented generation became more popular which, by the way, clearly no marketing person came up with that. <laughs> that, that it doesn't go off the tongue, does yeah, it? <laughs> it really doesn't. But long story short is, you know, it, it was interesting. Before I did that talk, I actually did an exercise. I asked ChatGPT how reliable it was. Got a really interesting answer. It, as I describe it, it was somewhere between a politician and a salesperson <laughs> pitching how reliable it is. And the, and the answer was, you know, 
it, it does hallucinate sometimes. And, and as I described it, you know, hallucinations used to require illegal substances. Now it requires, you know, generative AI to, uh, to happen. And, and the bottom line is, in some ways, you know, what's old is new again, which is garbage in, garbage out. And, and so this whole concept of, of reactive augmented generation or RAG basically says, I have to have access, whatever my model was, whatever I've trained it to, I run a risk of it giving me the wrong answer unless I also have access to much more up-to-date data and much more diverse data. And so, you know, I think that people need to think about how do I accomplish that, um, especially in this world where the amount of data is just mind-blowingly exploding. Um, I had a chance actually this week to meet with a, a one of the leading quantum computing teams in the country and talking about data in a quantum world. And if you want to blow your mind, go talk to those folks. It's it's just insane. Yeah, yeah, no, for, for sure. And I think those, those kind of conversations at, at the top level between people like yourself it is really what's driving the industry forward. Now, that kind of brings me on to my next question, really, you know, obviously, we're seeing a lot of organizations really looking to optimize their data movement processes in 2024 and beyond. Is there any, you know, advice that you would give um, for those who are perhaps, you know, feeling at a loss with their data movement solution or, you know, perhaps looking to improve on what they already have in place? I think the, uh, the I would give two pieces of advice. One, if you're you know, an executive, I would ask, what new technologies are you considering? And the reason I say that is, I see in many enterprises, people are very comfortable with the status quo. They know it. They know how to use it. They know what its limitations are. Um, and there's a general reluctance, I think, in many companies to try new technology. And and the truth is there's a ton of them out there. There's a lot of great companies uh, doing lots of innovative things. We're, we think we're one of them. We're partnering with others. Um, and, and I think what people are missing is the opportunity to think differently and to drive a very different return on their technology investment, right? It's not about the technology. It's about the business outcomes. That That's what really matters. And so I, I think the other advice I would give to organizations is, you know, what are you trying to accomplish as you're moving data around, right? And what do you need to do and why do you need to do it? And, I, you know, I'll, I'll give you with one last ex- example, uh, which is, you know, we were a launch partner recently with AWS at reInvent for this new low latency, high performance S3 storage, right? We're the only company that can actually move data from outside the cloud into this new storage. And it's all about being able to run, you know, massive amounts of processing on data and working with AWS has been an interesting journey because it's opened up all different kinds of new use cases um, that actually become doable even with object data, which you know has enormous economics associated with it. So I think what people need to start is the business outcome, the return on the technology. And just because you've done business with a vendor for a long time doesn't mean you shouldn't be looking at new vendors. That makes a lot of sense. Harry, thank you so much for your uh, time today. It's great to hear your perspective on the subject. Oh, Matt, thank you and appreciate being on with you. No reason to. And also thank you to everyone who took the time to really listen to this podcast as well. We hope you took a lot away from today's episode, but for further information we talked about, you can head on over to vicinity.io. That's V-C-I-N-I-T-Y dot I-O. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series, but until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. 
Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com. Thank you.